0: There's a solution to hybrid work. Permission versus permissive remote work. We'll talk about that in a second. Welcome to the Star Conspiracy Studio podcast, where we talk about everything work tech. I'm your host, Brandon Giella. Today's Work Leader Weekly is brought to you by Lance Hahn. A quick note that our fundraising campaign for body armor to Ukraine is still going strong. Brett, our CEO, shared big updates on where we're at, including the hundreds of pieces of body armor ready to go thanks to your help. A journalist from Reuters and many others covered our initiative, which has given us a tremendous boost, so thanks again for all your support. All of this is in alignment with what we call the reverse mullet. Did you miss the webinar with Lori Rudiman and Lance last week where they talked about this concept? You can catch the replay and see his gorgeous new mullet. Email marketing at starconspiracy.com for a copy. Let's jump into the rest of the week. Solving hybrid work, permission versus permissive. With the fading of the Omicron variant of COVID-19, companies are ramping up momentum on returning to the office. The dread of heading back to the office for some who just started getting comfortable working remote is real, but it's not universal. Even for office aiders like Lance, so many people are happy to head right back into their office routine. While Apple released a hilarious video called Escape from the Office to promote their technology products featuring four coworkers frustrated about being back in the office, They are also pushing aggressively to get their people back into the office. It's an odd contrast. And this is a side note of mine, but one of my favorite writers, Christopher Hitchens, said that one of the most endearing characteristics of a person is their appreciation for irony. Anyway, back to Lance. In an ideal world, if your company has been working remotely for two years, you shouldn't have to require people to come back to the office, period. Your commercial real estate leases don't suddenly get better if you add a turnover tsunami to the equation because you're requiring people to come in. That's my cat playing with an avocado. Lance wrote about a better approach in the magazine uh, called Reworked. Instead of thinking about remote work as permission-based, we should think about it as permissive-based. Permission-based remote work is old-world thinking, that people need your permission to work from home. In reality, employees in jobs capable of remote work have a pick of jobs that meet their flexibility needs. With permissive-based remote work, employees get to work remotely, hybrid, or in person. Then we can make our shared spaces so irresistible that people want to come into the office, at least for some of their work. It's the difference between I have to go to the office today versus I get to go to the office today. If your employees aren't bringing that kind of energy to the office, Then why are we spending so much energy on opening them back up? Our two-year experiment in mass remote work is changing employee expectations and companies should be ready for it. Marking Equal Pay Day Yesterday was Equal Pay Day, which symbolizes how far a woman has to work into the year to make the same amount of money as a man did the year before. The National Committee on Pay Equity, website circa 1998, designates the day every year and encourages people to wear red to symbolize how far women and minorities are in the red for their pay. The U.S. Census Bureau has a little more helpful information if you want to dig into pay inequities. Other organizations, like the EEOC, are using the day to highlight the fact that we need to strengthen the Equal Pay Act. Others are pointing out that racial disparities have a huge impact on when Equal Pay Day actually is. In 2021, for example, Equal Pay Day was October 2nd for Latinas, more than half a year later. A report out this month from PayScale suggested that as more women return to work, the gap may actually increase. Providing equal pay isn't just about doing what's legal and right for employees. It's also about doing what's right for communities and children of workers underpaid for their efforts. The federal government is moving to narrow the gender pay gap, but there's still a lot of work to be done around the country to move Equal Pay Day to January 1st. As usual, Lance also has a bunch of quick hits from around the web. The first one is asking the question, why is workplace technology so much harder to use than personal technology? This from an article in the Wall Street Journal there's a bunch of other ones from HR Brew, Harvard Business Review, ERE, and others. So please sign up if you have not. Is this it for Standard Time? This week, the U.S. Senate passed a bill to make daylight saving time permanent. If the bill passes the House and gets signed by the President, we would say goodbye to Standard Time and, most importantly, two time changes per year. There's room for debate on whether standard or daylight saving time is better. Technically, any state can choose to stay in standard time right now, as Arizona and Hawaii do currently. But to stay in permanent DST, states need congressional approval. Time changes, like traveling across time zones without getting felt up by the TSA, cause a slight uptick in traffic deaths and heart attacks. Sleep patterns are one of the most critical elements of physical and mental well-being. Lance has enjoyed his child sleeping in a few precious minutes in the morning this week, but he'd probably trade that for an easier wake-up call. That's it for this week. If you have any feedback or want to sign up for Lance's newsletter or for any of our other newsletters, email us at marketing@thestarconspiracy.com. Later!